Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnebagashish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from Elsie's on this beautiful, um, what is it, Wednesday night? Uh, down here in uh, Northeast Minneapolis. Thanks for Grain Belt for having us on out. Our next live show is November 21st at Tuttle's. It's been a minute since we've been out there, so uh, hopefully everybody, um, well, hopefully some people aren't there right now. Uh, <laughs> we did a little shuffling of the uh, sites here at the last minute. So thanks, everybody, for coming out to Elsie's. Uh, but November 21st, our next live show at Tuttle's, 7 p.m. Uh, and we got a bunch of cool things. I think some giveaways as well, some things you can register tonight. We have five uh, Russo-Lapanta Worst Seats in the House shirts. They look long sleeve shirts, uh, so perfect for the... Uh, fall winter months here uh first five people that ask a question uh doesn't even have to be a quality question just first five people that come up and ask a question live we mic prefer over a quality question yeah exactly uh i gotta see if i can acquire one of those shirts though by the way if i ask michael a question can i get a shirt probably not remember yeah. the russo suhan coffee mugs i still don't never got one of those yeah, I need one. Those are uh, that's the collectors of it. The, the logo of that one was great. It was me laying on a on a couch and Suhan like as my psychologist, which is sort of you could relate. I can relate. Yeah. Uh, so thanks to Lapanta showed up four minutes early tonight. That's a record. Uh, really appreciate. It. We got some celebrities in the house. Pat Kessler's here. Uh, Barrero. I, I texted Barrero. I said Pat Kessler came to my pod, and he wrote back, "What's a pod?" So there you go. Um, <laughs> and uh, so really appreciate everybody coming on out, um, talk about the Wild and some other stuff uh, going on in the National Hockey League. Pierre Dorian was uh, let go today as the Ottawa Senators uh, GM. We'll talk about that um, and, um, and all sorts of uh, stuff as well. But let's start off talking about um, Adam Johnson and the tragedy that happened in England on Saturday. Uh, night, um, just a terrible situation where he uh, gets a, you know, takes a skate to the neck. And, um, and uh, hopefully people didn't see the video because it is just terrible. Um, but just first your thoughts on this. Well, end. it's a tragedy for sure. And the, the video is disturbing to, to see it. And we talked to some of the players about it. And it's not like you live in fear when you're on the ice, but those are the kind of moments that do terrify you. And it can happen in a blink of an eye. We saw a little bit of a scare at a wild practice earlier this year when Marco Rossi caught one in the chin and it was cut pretty badly. Fortunately, there was the chin and not the throat. And it's when I first, this story's interesting because when I first saw the headline that said there was an investigation involved, I thought they meant into the way the player was treated. That was I just assumed that it was because they didn't think it was handled properly by the EMTs or or whatever they're called in London. And and then it turns out that they were they're now wondering if there was some malicious intent. And boy, you sure hope that's not the case. Players usually are are pretty respectful about trying to hurt each other. And I'm not saying the guy was trying to kill somebody, but he he may have been trying to injure somebody. It sounds like now, and I know you've been doing a little more 
digging into that. I sure hope that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, just the way that the video looks, I think that there's, I mean, you're either going to be on, uh, you're going to have one opinion or the other. And, and uh, because it, it has the look of almost like a kung fu kick, there's a lot of people that think that at least there was some intent there. That he, he went in there. I mean, I don't think right. anybody's saying he was trying yep. to cut him with his skate yep. blade. But even if he's trying to kick him, that's against just about every unwritten exactly. rule. Exactly. Um, and, and then it doesn't help that this is the penalty minute leader in the league last year and, and things like that. Um, if you do look at the video uh, real closely, it does look like his right his skate right skate clips the skate of another player, and that's when he sort of loses balance. And then that was the aftermath. Again, there's some people that, that don't buy it. The team itself, the Nottingham Panthers, uh, are the ones that called it a, quote, freak accident, which is where that has all come from. Um, now, the way it works in, in Europe, and uh, trust me, I'm, I'm so up to date on all differences with European laws and everything like that right now. The way it works, excuse me, in England is that all deaths are, are investigated, uh, unnatural deaths are investigated, and right now that's the case. Uh, the coroner is going to come out and give uh, his opinion on manner of death and things like that. And then the police are, are investigating the situation and talking to all sorts of people, but also experts on hockey. Um, you know, and there's, again, uh, differences of opinion, again, on intent. I know the family believes that, that it was not a hockey play. Um, I know that there have been players like Daniel Carcillo and um, I believe Mark Mathod and um, Chris Terrian and... Sean Avery, uh, that have all said that they felt like this was a malicious uh, play. Then you have people that I've, I listened to Lunani on Barrero yesterday said there's just absolutely no way in a split second that you could essentially make that decision to even get your, your, your skates up there. But uh, let's, let's talk more importantly about Adam Johnson, the in individual. Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to know him. Uh, I know that you don't know him. We both were at his first NHL goal here at Minnesota, his only NHL goal. But I have talked to um, so many different people in the last uh, week or two week about um, who Adam is. I've talked to everybody from Riley Tufty and Carson Coleman to uh, Bruce Siski and Pat Micheletti, who everybody knows from Hibbing, to Scott Sandlin. Um, and the one thing about it is everybody to a man just says that this was an incredible human being, uh, just a, a super uh, nice kid, a humble kid, a hilarious kid. Um, and it's it's just a huge, huge, unimaginable loss, obviously, to them, but more importantly to his family. And, um, you know, the other thing that I just can't get out of my mind the, the last couple of days is that, you know, his, his aunt, his grandmother, his dad were all watching this live on the Internet. And then, obviously, the game comes to a, a close uh, at the very moment that this incident happened, and the feed just cuts out. And just imagine that. Right. It's, those are the kind of things that, as a parent, you can never imagine being in a worse spot. It, it's I, it, I don't know. Cross there's, an there's, ocean. There's, there's no words to describe yeah. what what that feeling would be. And I didn't know him at all. I hadn't met him. Don't remember ever meeting him or talking to him. But I've heard the same thing. Everybody that's and it's not surprising. It's the people from this part of the country and the hockey world are typically great people. And I, I don't doubt for a minute this guy was a was a special young man and it's lost way too soon. And a heck of a hockey player. Uh, you know, you talk to people about him back in his youth days and his, his high school days and, um, you know, super fast, like his uncle Gary that played at the, at, uh, for the Bulldogs as well. But, but, uh, you know, very, very skilled in the, in the class one, a semifinals in 2011, it was uh, single Hanley uh, brought Hibbing back from a four, uh, one deficit, uh, tied the game up, Hermantown won, but he was the star of that game. But he had huge goals also at the University of Minnesota Duluth in his two years there. He scored the goal against, the, against Matthew Kachuk to knock BU out and send them into the Frozen Four in 2017, 2016 or 17. Um, so huge, huge loss. Let's talk about net protection right now, um, Anthony. I mean, that is the new, that's the thing. The WHL has mandated it starting in a couple days in their league. Um, we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, the, the second tier team in Britain is going to be doing the same. Um, the NHL and the NHL Players Association right now are talking about whether it's grandfather in or mandating it. Um, like this is the most vulnerable part of a human's body on the ice, and it is unprotected by not just the majority. I don't know of one NHL player that wears a neck guard. Thomas Placanek did, and he's retired from the league, but nobody does. And I don't know if neck protection would have, 
you know, saved Adam Johnson, but it just certainly feels like if the technology is out there and they can make it uh, something that's not restrictive, that it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think that's the big question because there's going to be players that are going to resist if it is restrictive. I, we talked with Dean Evis, and I think it was the day you In and Jersey. I were both there, yeah. and, and he was talking about the fact that there was a point where they wore it, but a lot of guys stopped wearing it because it was restricted. Yeah, they like took they wore the they wore the neck guard, but, but took, took out the, all the stuff inside. Right, took the padding yeah. out, basically the That's shield so. out. And you know, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's really a difficult spot to be because you don't want to you don't want to use the term overreacting because there isn't a reaction large enough when you're talking about a guy who lost his life. And at the same time, I don't know that it can be mandated. So we'll see what happens. It's the players, I think, are all for safety measures, but at the same time, like we even saw the way they resisted the shot, shot blocking guards on their skates because yeah. they felt like it restricted how they could skate. So that's obviously it's not life threatening to get hit in the ankle with a puck, but it's well, I don't, I don't think it's likely that we'll see a change this season or maybe even before next season in the NHL. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the way it works. I mean, I think that they're going to want to do a lot of uh, look looking into the technology and things like that to come out with it, uh, to come out with the most uh, way, the be best way to, to protect somebody, but also make it, uh, you know, not restrictive. But, but there's just something about NHL players with any sort of equipment. I mean, even just there's technology to put over your shoulders to protect your AC joints, and they don't do that. Right. And they all got well, these arrows think, coming out of their thing. I think mean, we're seeing the fact well, that you know. even a full helmet, your yeah. chin, your teeth are exposed. If you wore a full cage, that wouldn't be the case. And mm -hmm. yet nobody wants to do that. It's, there's a, you know, guys feel more comfortable with what they wear now, and it's hard to mandate that you have to do this, even though we all know it would make you safer. I mean, I don't, where do you stop? Where do yeah. you draw the line? Yeah, uh, the one thing I'll just say is, like, you know, there is, they're starting, Bauer is going to be looking into this, but, you know, War Road, which is a company that T.J. Oshie is part of, he made it extremely clear to Mark Lazarus when he talked to him the other day that, that he and a bunch of Washington Capitals players are going to start experimenting with the technology that he has because he just, you know, as he said in the story, I could take one to the neck tonight and then I don't come home to my kids and that would be... Uh, absolutely, one, you know, tragic, but two, the guilt that he said that he would have on the knowing that he had the ability to maybe protect himself is something that, uh, you know, I think that that he is looking into. And I, I think there, you know, I talked to Riley Tufty the other day, and he's also having a hard time with this and, and, and considering it a very, very, um, you know, uh, and we're seeing mandated in the AHL and the ACHL with, with, uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I just think it's coming. Uh, I think that if there's any, there's if there was anything that's going to come out of this, it's going to be probably that coming into the league. The other thing that I think is going to happen is, is I think all European leagues right now are going to have to really look at their medical procedures. Now, again, I don't think that when the injury that this poor kid had, I don't know what's saving him. Um, even if Jim Pitts, uh, you know, even if uh, the person that saved Clem Larchuk's life, uh, Pizza, was uh, there, I don't know if this could have happened, but. The fact that this league does not mandate that there's ambulances at rinks or that medical professionals have to be near the bench is insane to me. I know it's a cost measure, uh, but you go to an NHL game and there are three doctors that have to be at every single game, including an ER surgeon. There's got to be two ambulances. And the reason why there's two is redundancy. If all of a sudden there is a medical emergency, that once that ambulance leaves the rink, that they don't have to wait for another one to come to be on site. So they always have two, um, and and here at this game, they they like it was a youth game down the street. Had to call nine one 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 and wait for an ambulance to come. I mean, it's just that crazy. seems like an easy fix. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, with the, the you've got a mouth specialist, a eye specialist at every one of these NHL mm -hmm. games, and you know better than anybody on the eye specialist. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. And you know, that's, there's reasons for it because sometimes uh, something could be saved or prevented or avoided just by having somebody there on a timely basis. And an ambulance seems like an easy fix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, we have a microphone up here. If you have thoughts on this subject, feel free to come on up. If you have questions, uh, you can come on up at any time in the podcast as well. You do not have to be invited. Um, and again, the first five people get a uh, just a gorgeous... Uh, one that you're going to wear with incredible pride, uh, worst seats in the house, Talk North uh, T-shirt, that uh, long sleeves. And our first question or comment is here. How, how sharp are goalie skates? 
Uh, they're duller than a than, little duller, but they're sharp. I yeah, mean, I mean, all of these I mean, blades you got, are sharp. You got hockey players going across them all the time. I yeah. mean, how many times are they, you know? Yeah, I mean, it is. Getting, well, we saw the Clint Larchuk one. I mean, uh, I think everybody's seen videos of that. But it is they're probably in the most vulnerable position of anybody because they are down, you know, on their knees all the time and things like that. So and their legs are going yeah, all over yeah. the place. And they do wear they wear some neck guards. They wear, um, you know, the chin straps uh, now. They, they are there. I mean, I saw Flurry the other day. We were in somewhere on the road, and he ordered the, the AC joint protection that, that, um, that Gus has and th things like that. So Yeah, because he's throwing his legs up, you know, yeah. the skates and stuff. Right. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's going all over the place, right. you know, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Any other questions? No, that should be it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Grab yourself a... Grab yourself a shirt. So, what's up? Yep, yeah, Fine. thanks. Uh, changing the topic just a little bit, but I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on how you think Pat Maroon has performed and whether or not he's kind of filling a little bit of that enforcer role that Revo had last year. I think he's filling the role, but he's just a, he's a more valuable hockey player. And, and this is something that we've talked about really since his signing I liked what Ryan Reeves brought when he first arrived last year, and I, I'm always quick to caution when I say this because when he arrived, the team needed swagger. But I thought from day one when the season ended last year that they needed to find somebody who brought more to the table than Reeves. And when Billy Guerin was talking about trying to bring Reeves back and how much he valued him, I, I think Pat Maroon brings everything Ryan Reeves brought and then some. And we've seen it. The, the goal he scored the other night in New Jersey, a great stick play at the blue line and then finishes. He's been winning puck battles along the wall and then making passes off of that spot. I mean, I, I don't know that we'll see a guy who's he's almost a point-a-game player right now. and he's, He isn't going to score 80 points this year. But he brings a lot more to the table than Ryan Reeves did. And, and Just I the do play think, that he made on the Middleton goal the other right. day. I mean, that is something that is... Right. I mean, he, is, he, has, he has good hands. And he's shown that... It, I don't, he's not a long-term fit, but on a short-term spot, he, they threw him up on the second line, and, and he filled in well there. I, I think he's a valuable piece of this team, and, and he brings some physical presence, too. And, you know, I, I don't know if it, when, you're all, when it's all said and done, look at the end of the year, and if you want to quantify the enforcer role by how many times they fight, I'm not sure there will be a huge difference between Ryan Reeves and Pat Maroon in that, in that department. Maybe a couple, but not much. I, I think this is a great fit for Minnesota it was a I think I, I don't I don't want to say stumbled into it because they didn't stumble into it but they made the right choice Pat Maroon brings a lot more than Reeves did yep and a much better price obviously at 800 uh, compared to the three-year deal that that obvious right. that, that 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 Ryan was able to get there any other questions or okay um let's talk a little bit about the wild um Anthony uh first of all the biggest uh, story of the day is Matt Boldy's gonna be back against the Devils on Thursday um, has missed seven games with the upper body injury. Uh, goes without saying, man, do they need him right now. Yeah, the, we've seen over the last two weeks what the difference between a $50 million payroll and an $80 million payroll is. And the, because the Wild are $15 million under, they just can't afford as many injuries as others, and they sure can't afford two simultaneously to as significant pieces as Spurgeon and Boldy. They need him. It makes everything in the lineup fit better. Now Maroon likely will play with Felino and Rossi tomorrow. It moves Letary down to the fourth line, which becomes a pretty speedy fourth line with Dewar, Duhame, and Letary. It makes the lineup better, makes the power play better. It, it impacts so many things. And now if you can get Jared Spurgeon back sometime soon, he's not quite ready yet. He did practice for most of practice today, but they just found out, I think, that it's really hard to be as deep as other teams in the league when you're that far beneath what the salary cap. I mean, they're playing $10 million under the floor. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Question. What's up? Um, you mentioned... Were uh, you shocked that Anthony showed up on time? Because you showed up late. I know it. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking... I was shocked that I was on... I'm always on time. I'm just not five minutes early quite often. But oh. you were shocked at that. Well, yeah. I got stuck behind Biden's motorcade, actually. I oh, think, is he I in town? I th yeah, I think it was because it was going all over the place. Didn't know where it was going. So I thought maybe that was his motorcade. But it was. I know it was because 62 was completely blocked. Tons of cops. 
and the motorcade was on its way to the uh, airport. So okay, that definitely wasn't Anthony's motorcade. No, it wasn't. No. Okay. My motorcade got stuck downtown behind a protest, but I still got here on time. <laughs> this is this is just a quick question. You know, you said, uh, Mike, that um, that you, there were a lot of glum faces on the plane on the way to Philadelphia. Well, no, I wouldn't have said that. Oh, you did. Because I wasn't that. on the plane. Oh, well, then you said on the, well, you said on the, somebody said, it, maybe it was, um, oh, shoot, I thought it was you. Mm-mm. Well, the reason I brought it up is because then they had that goose egg in, uh, in Philadelphia. And I guess I could follow up with this question then. You yeah, know, they, would, uh, they, they, they were coming off a win that day, so it would, definitely wasn't me that would have said that. Okay, all right. Yeah. I thought it was. Maybe it was Joe. No. Yeah. So... But neither one of those guys were on the plane. I can say I was on the plane. I didn't say anything about glum faces, okay, but they so, were just fine on the way to Philly. It was yeah. between Philly and Washington. They weren't very happy that yeah. night on okay, the plane. Okay, then I must have mixed that up because I thought that that was a precursor to such a lousy game, and I thought maybe you had some insight no, on why that I, no, was. No, I mean, the only thing that I would have ever said recently about uh, is, is after the Washington game, I did talk about this on maybe Barrero or, or somebody, is that Dean was talking about that the bench has been very quiet this year. Um, and that, that uh, in that Philly game also, that a couple guys were basically saying that, that the bench just didn't handle adversity right. So it was definitely not me talking about the plane. But overall, this team right now, it just, uh, it, it, there is a fragility to them. They, they seem to, you know, we, we, they seem to, when, they, when things don't go well in the game, they, uh, you know, they, they just flounder. I mean, you look at that, that play where Kaprizov turns the puck over to make it 4-2 after they just made it 3-2, well, that shouldn't just end the game there. Even though it was a back-breaking goal, there was so much time left. That with the momentum they had, you would think that, that in a normal situation, you'd be able to brush that out, flush it away. But I think right now, the way that they are playing, that they don't have that capability. Yeah, I, I think they're lacking some of the confidence that comebacks are, yeah. are there. It, they were at that point for sure. And all I'll say is, and I, I, never, I never talk about what we see on the plane or anything because I feel like I'm a guest on their plane. But I can tell you that after they left Washington to fly to New Jersey, it was a relatively happy bunch. They had played really well that night. They had come from behind to tie the game late. They had cleaned up just about every mistake that they had had in the Philly game. And even though they lost the game in a, what was a seven-round shootout, I, it, when you lose games in that fashion, I don't think you even feel like it was a loss. When you get on the play, you lost in a skills competition after a game that you came from behind to get a point, and they had a day off the next day in New York, so the, the guys were fine that night. And and I actually they played fine against New Jersey. It's a good New Jersey team, and it, the Philly game was the one on this trip that was disappointing. And I can tell you that that night nobody left the rink happy. Okay, well I'm sorry I screwed that one up, but the. I guess, you know, the mental part of the game, this is pretty much the same team as last year. A few exceptions. Rossi's up. Maroon, like you said. You know, you guys have been, especially you, Michael, you've been around all these different NHL teams. There's got to be a mental toughness to these championship teams, like, let's say, Tampa Bay or the Penguins that are consistently right in the mix. What is it about us that we lack this kind of, this kind of mental toughness? It's year after year after a year that this this happens well i'd say there's I, I don't necessarily agree with that two years ago they had more come from behind wins than anybody in the nhl and came from two goals down to win more than any team in the nhl and that was largely this same crew it was just a different team they were a more explosive offensive team last year they they didn't have that come from behind ability but they still finished with over 100 points so it's I don't think it's a lack of mental toughness. I think what this year's team has lacked has been the commitment to their structure. And they've let some things, they've actually let four leads get away this year. They've had a lead in all four games they've lost. And I think that's the bigger concern than the inability to come back. I, I don't think this team's lacking a mental toughness in that way. I think they're lacking just a they're lacking guys on the ice right now. You take Jared Spurgeon away, and it affects all three defensive pair. You take Matt Boldy away, it affects three of your four lines and your power play. And I think that's where they've been struggling. They got off to a super slow start last year, probably a worse start last year, and figured it out. We'll see if they can do it again this year. 
Feeling overwhelmed by a growing to-do list and a shrinking schedule? Spending more time stressing over household repairs than enjoying life? Well, you're not alone, and Aquarius Home Services has your back. They are your trusted local, let-us-tackle-your-to-do-list team. Aquarius Home Services is here to assist. Whether it's your furnace, electrical work, or plumbing giving you trouble, you choose the service, and they will handle the fix and take $98 off the repair cost. That's right. For any furnace, plumbing, or electrical repair, they're slashing $98 right from the price. Watch your to-do list shrink while you reclaim your time. No more worrying about flickering lights, leaky toilets, or noisy furnaces. Their dedicated professionals respect your home and your time. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindell Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindell Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindell Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation, guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Christendel Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to christendell.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Question. Hi. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, so I know obviously things are going to change on tomorrow um, with having Matt Boldy in the lineup, but what are some other changes or things that you expect to see just based on the previous performances in tomorrow's game that we have? Well, I understand. I wasn't at practice today, but I understand from talking to Joe, they really worked on their penalty kill a lot today. Uh, that has got to be something that is much, much better. They're one of the worst teams in the league at, at winning faceoffs on the PK. They're one of the worst teams in the league at blocking shots on the PK. Um, they have major, major issues on their penalty kill right now. Yeah, and the power play. The power play finally scored against New Jersey, but they had been 0 for 17 over the previous five, and it was it was both special teams. They worked today a lot, and it was a long practice today, more than an hour, which on an off-day practice is not the norm. But I think we'll see some minor changes. Boldy's return certainly is a part of what will change on the power play, but they were mixing some different personnel in in different spots there, and we'll see some of that tomorrow night. And then the, the penalty kill has to be cleaned up. It's the worst in the league right now. And it's been a, it's been a myriad of things, and I, I talked with Dean about it. I also talked with Wes Walls about it today, and he had gone back, and I did the same thing and looked at all the power play goals against. And I asked Dean the other day if, it was, if there was one constant theme to the goals they'd been giving up and he said no everyone is like a different breakdown and that's what's frustrating when I asked Wes about it today he said the same thing he said I went and looked and one time it'll be because they were too aggressive the next time they weren't aggressive enough the next time it's two guys go to the same guy and then the one of the big parts too is they just haven't gotten saves their high danger save percentage on the penalty kills the lowest in the NHL their overall save percentage I think was 26th or 27th and they give up a ton of chances. They're like 28th in that department. And you mentioned the shot blocking. They're fourth from the bottom there on the penalty kill. There's, there's a lot there that needs to be cleaned up. And New Jersey diced them up. And New Jersey's power play is unbelievable right now, 42% for the year. And they showed 
they can make just about any penalty kill look silly. And oh, by the so, way, they're here Thursday night. Right. So. <laughs> and and the Ranger power play that they're going to see Saturday night is right up there with the best in the league as well. And they're going to see them twice in the next four games. So they've faced some pretty good power plays too, which is the the other thing. I, you know, when you look at their schedule so far, and I every the schedule's all even out over the course of the year, but they have run into some pretty tough opponents for this point in the season when you consider that they're playing shorthanded along the way. They've already seen, if you'd, at the beginning of the year, had said, who are the best five teams in the East? You for sure would have had Toronto, New Jersey, and the Rangers in there. And by the end of next week, they'll have seen the Rangers twice, the Devils twice, and Toronto once. You, they've already seen LA, who's one of the teams to beat in the West. They've seen, you know, Edmonton was perceived to be one of the best, although that's not really played out. They've they've had they've run into some tough power plays, is my point, and those are yeah. some high skilled power plays that that might even out a little bit. But I also think their execution on the kill has has left a lot to be desired, and we'll yeah. see. That's got to get. And better. it's not just their their fringe players. I mean, it's Ericsson Ek has not been great on the power, penalty kill. That one goal in New Jersey where he just you know. I think it was New Jersey. It was either the New Jersey one or Washington were just way over aggressive chasing the point, and it, it just led to an immediate breakdown, um, not winning draws on it. But they're just so, you know, like if Middleton takes a penalty, which has been the case in the last two games, um, you know. There was without, one where Brodine and Faber had just played. Yeah, then Middleton Washington. takes a penalty, and you have to start against the Caps power play with with Merrill and Mermis yeah. on the kill. And, and Mermis just, has been a good player, but he's not the guy you want out there against the Capitals' power yeah. play to open. So in other words, like, you know, you know, like everybody, I'm looking at Twitter and everybody's like, why the hell are Mermis and Merrill out there? We're like, well, sorry, Brodeen, like do the math here. Brodeen and Faber were just on the shift before to start the penalty kill. Middleton's in the box. So your only two choices are Mermis and, and Merrill. Uh, Hunt had, was playing in his first NHL game. And Kalen Addison, I think, as we all know, um, is, is not a penalty killer. So uh, can he play the penalty kill? Maybe, but he doesn't. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that's part of the issue when you have Spurgeon and Goligoski out of the lineup right now. Um, so... And I th I think that, they, you know, this is also where they miss Mason Shaw. Like, it's so easy to forget that he should be in their lineup this year. Um, there's just a lot of issues right now. Yeah, with have your team. fourth line be Dewar, Duhame, and Shaw, and now all of a sudden you've got Dewar and Shaw killing penalties again. And they don't have that. You couple that with the Spurgeon and Goligoski loss. It's, there is some personnel stuff there, but there's also some execution stuff. Yeah. I don't think the kill's been as good as they as it has to be. Yeah. And, and they've and got to fix it. They do. Like, they, they have to. Uh, you know, you can't remember the big thing that Dean Evison said at the beginning of the season is that one reason that, that they do regret not making really tweaks in the playoffs, but they felt, and again, broken record, but they felt that, well, they looked at every one of those nine goals that were scored against them in the playoffs and said every one was a different type of goal, so what are we really going to adjust? Well, now he's saying the same thing again. But it's been nine goals on 28 chances. They've got to fix it. There's no excuse now. Um, it's been the same. It's been penalty killers that have been here for a long time. It's been the penalty killing coaching staff that's been here a long time as well. And this is going to catch up to them. Yeah, they um, miss Spurgeon a lot there yeah. too. Spurgeon is a huge penalty killer for them. He's he's as courageous as it comes when it's fronting when it comes as a or an Ovechkin. Exactly. Or, yep, exactly. Not the biggest guy, but man, he he's the one guy that'll yeah. that'll get in those shooting lanes. So it, I think you have to wait to pass judgment on whether the the kill is that flawed until you see everybody in it. But you got to figure out a way to get through it because right now. Their combined special teams are somewhere in the high 80s, which league average would obviously be 100 because each one is is either killed or scored. So one team's going to be one for one, the other's going to be 0 for one. And if you look around the league right now, the teams that are up in the combined 112, 115, 120 range, those are the teams that are on top. And the teams that are in the 80s, like the Wild, by the time the season's over, almost everybody falls between like 94 and 106. But... The Wild are in trouble right now in the in the high 80s, and that's been a big part of the of their problem. Yes, uh, let's talk about another big problem. I think right now, I I'm, I have a feeling you're probably going to downgrade this and and not think it's as big a problem. But there's I there's a big problem for you that you owe the first dinner in Sweden. 
What was that again? It was the bet on the Panthers against the Scribes last week for the first dinner in Sweden. Yeah, I bet I make the... And yeah, you right. already named the restaurant, so yeah. it's not... We're not all of a sudden going to go to McDonald's. We're going to the spot you picked. It was a one-sided win for the Panthers, so that's a big problem for your club. All right. Part of the problem is I had Ryan Hartman on the bench. <laughs> so I, it's, I can't be responsible hey, for your decisions. Who knew that he was going to have a five-goal week? Um, all right, so... Um, where the hell was where, I? Well, let's let's, where let's are we talk going about Kirill Kaprizov. That's the where I was going. We're having first. For we're going minute. to an authentic Swedish restaurant called Pelican. All right. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast uh, Tuesday night, we will be there on the 14th. Um, Anthony's going to be paying. You'll pay for the wine. Um, so uh, all right, let's talk about Kaprizov. Honestly, um, I was I was honestly blown away um, after talking to him in Washington how. Poorly, I thought he played in Jersey. His lack of aggressiveness, um, like what is going on with him? Like that last power play, I mean, what was going on? That last power play, a minute 37 on a six on four, and their only shot of the power play is with seven seconds left? Like that is on everybody, obviously, but what the heck is yeah, going on? He looks a little off, although I will say that that play, when all of a sudden it landed on his stick, it's funny how fast your brain, like I just thought, He's going to score here, right. and we're going to end up going into overtime. But, and it's the first and, time in that entire game that I thought he was a threat. Yeah. Like, like I just don't understand his lack of oomph right now, his his lack of explosiveness in every facet of the yeah. game. Not I've just actually skating, thought but he's looked a little off from the start of camp. Yeah. I, I just – he – He's flubbed some shots that he normally doesn't, and there have been a number of times on our broadcast where Karts or Wes will have made the comment that, boy, you don't see Kaprizov miss from there very often, and we'll see. it. He's had a couple stretches like this before in his career, and then all of a sudden the next night he scores three times, and like we saw in the Edmonton game, all of a sudden his line has a breakout night. He was great that night, had three assists, and... We haven't seen the best of him yet, and yet, what does he have? Nine points, I think, yeah. through eight games. Based so on based on having two big games right. against Montreal, it, which and is all Edmonton. true. But I'm just so saying, the other like, seven, he's been he's, very, very. I much don't think, he, yeah, he's been. He hasn't been good enough. But yeah. I'm just for a guy who we're talking about as being way off. You're uh, there's a whole bunch of guys who wish that was their slump was nine points in eight games, but. Uh, he's got to be better. That line's got to be better. I just don't think they've had the same kind of – we haven't seen the game-controlling, game-changing shifts that you'd see from them so often over the last couple of yeah. years where everything's going haywire and all of a sudden those guys hit the ice and the pucks in the offensive zone, and even if they don't score, it's a three or four-chance yeah. shift that seems to get the whole team and bench ignited. Yeah. One thing that I haven't, I haven't been – I haven't paid close enough attention to this or studied the numbers, but – I wonder if Matt Boldy's presence in the lineup will change that because I, my guess would be, if you went back and looked at it, that they've had a lot of shifts against the top pair of whoever the opponent is each night. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, they should, and they still have to find a way to score. But I'll bet you that that's been the case during these last six games when Boldy's been out, that it may balance a little bit where now maybe some of those shifts – their top deep pair are against the Boldy Johansson line. That might have something to do with it, but I, I just think Kaprizov has looked off. He hasn't had that. And it's not even just, I mean, to me, where it's really beginning with him is his just inexplicable plays uh, with the puck, not yeah. just defensively, but when he has the puck that turns quickly They've into made defense. Some turnovers. I mean, in bad that spots. Philly game especially, I mean, that, is, that, that loss is on him. I mean, he turns the puck over on the fourth goal. Faber like Faber was nice, yeah, nice to take the blame on. It was it was all Kaprizov, and then on the Bobby Brink breakaway again, he, you know he tries for an exchange with um, with Faber. It gets flubbed, so maybe that's more Faber's fault. But then instead of playing defense, like Kaprizov loses it and just goes into offense. And then what do you have? You have an odd man brush going the other way. Like he has just got to be so much better. It's not even funny. And I'm sorry, the expectations are high for him. And they I get, be. You know, I know there are there are people. Whenever I criticize them, they come to his defense and blame Hartman or, well, he's the only man on the team. No, he wants to be paid nine million dollars. He's got to be much much better and be the leader of this team. And he's been anything but uh, to start the season. 
So he's got to change uh, the way that he's playing. And I know that he knows it. Uh, we, trust me, I talked to him in Washington, but that's why I was just blown away by his game in Jersey because I just thought it was lousy. Question. Hey, guys. Uh, <clears throat> first question is for my daughter. She wants to know what's your favorite color, Michael? <laughs> Everybody knows it's blue. Uh, why is that? Is that, is that? She just needed to know. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, second thanks. question for my son. How come you don't want to know Anthony's yeah. favorite color? What is your favorite color? I'd go red, Johnny Red. Oh, nice. Second question for my son. When are we going to get Spurgeon back? Soon. He was on the ice today. Yeah. He practiced for most of practice today. He was a full participant in the parts that he was there for. I don't know if it'll be as soon as Saturday, but I, this is just I, 100% a guess. I Tuesday, guess he's Tuesday. on the next road trip, yeah. but probably won't play Thursday or Saturday. And can we clone Brock Faber? <laughs> Ooh, boy, I don't know. Be nice. Or it would is, be nice. It, but. Are, are there some players on lower levels that we that have that kind of talent that we haven't seen yet or aren't going to see till next year I mean, because on the they're blue holding them? Not really. Um, not I'm, his kind of talent, but yeah. they do. The, they have the three defensemen that have been high draft picks. And, Hunt. And, Hunt. and and all three of them seem to be on the right trajectory to be NHL players. Lambos may be a little more offensive-minded than the other two. But, but and then they have, you know, David Spachik, uh, who I think yeah. is going to be a good player. They have Kyle Masters. We don't talk because he's in college a lot about, you know, Jack Parrott. Um, so so yeah, they've, they've got some players. Who, who do you see them bringing up next year or at the end of this year that we're going to kind of have that same oh, wow feeling about or possibly – I, on the back end or forward? Either. Um, well, I don't know that there's a wow factor guy yeah. coming this year, but there will be a serviceable guy coming this year probably. But those guys might be wow factor guys. So, like, but, oh, we, our expectations for Ogren or? Well, well yeah, I mean, those guys yet. will be here next year at forward, but right now they're not on the minors. But Ogren, who's on DNF, Uroff, like, they're really excited about Uroff. So those three could possibly, one of those three could be up next year? Yeah, like, uh, they're all three going to sign. They're all three going to at least, uh, you know, turn pro. Uh, two of the three are probably at least going to be in Iowa, maybe all three at different points of the year. I could tell you right now that the way they talk about who's Nadinov, they are talking like he is going to be on the team. But we have not, you know, we have to see him in this level and whether or not they could, you know, put him there. But if you, if you look at the way that their depth chart lines up right now, your first line center next year is either going to be Hartman or Rossi or Erickson Eck, but either those are your first three centers next year, so who's not enough is going to probably have to start out at fourth-line fourth center next year, which to me says that they're probably going to move on from Connor Durer even after this year. Uh, is Hartman still a center? I mean, I think he's more I, – I think he is, yeah, on this team. Um, what will be interesting is Goudreau, this is the first of a five-year deal for him. He hasn't looked at all um, – now he was hurt, clearly – um, in hindsight, but he hasn't looked nearly as productive at the uh, playing wing as he is at center. He's the type of guy that you probably need some open ice. Yeah, and, a little more space. Yep. And, but that's not to say he can't be a productive winger. It's just that he might not be the – he might not score like he scored last year. He doesn't have to score to be a valuable guy because he could be your fourth-line center slash wing on a shutdown line that – you occasionally use and well, you for sure use on the penalty kill, but then a guy who can move up in the lineup when somebody goes down. I think he'll still be a valuable piece of this team. He's just not hasn't looked like he's going to score like he did last year. Yep. Question. First time, long time. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you coming. Uh, going Bring back. your grandparents and your brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going back How to... How come your uh, grandfather's not asking questions? He, next? he doesn't have any yet. He's, he's got to come up at some point. Going back to the earlier question about the glum faces, I think uh -huh. it was the day after the Phillies lost the NLCS. Oh, that Philly, yeah. That, so my quote, my joke was that the flight to Philly, oh, my commercial flight to Philly, was a lot of glum faces on that plane. I was making a shot that the Phillies lost the night before. So most people got that joke. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the joke. But there were some people that I saw that like, what are you talking Like, maybe it's... Yeah, I figure that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, and then, no, So yeah. speaking of baseball, so. uh, yesterday we saw Dick Bramer move into a special assistant role with the Twins. And obviously, Anthony, you've worked with him over the past For number years, of years. Yeah. Do you have any great 
stories of behind the scenes. When you were filling in for him that one day yeah. with, uh, with Bert, Bert, Bert New York. that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, or anything about him that we don't know or your favorite call. And maybe could you see yourself uh, filling in over there uh, working year-round now? Um, well, number one is, you know, he had it's an unbelievable career. When you talk about a guy who was with a team for 40 years, that's that's amazing. And and I've worked with Dick for a long time. I, I got to know him way back in the late 90s when I was doing radio for the Twins and he was doing TV and was a great friend right from the start, was, was very welcoming to me when I, when I started traveling with the team. We spent a lot of time together on the road the first couple of years. And I just think when you look at what he survived in terms of the way the industry changed, the number of times we changed ownerships, we changed outlets, the... The way people watched games changed, and he was the constant. A whole generation of Twins fans have only listened to Dick call games. So I think that career is amazing, and to withstand and, and survive through all of those times is significant. Just a professional, I think, is when I think about the way he called games, it was always that same smooth, professional style each and every night. He was immaculately prepared and worked with a ton of different analysts over the years and yet was, you know, got along fine with all of them. Uh, the, the calls, it's, I mean, I, the first time I remember hearing him a lot was he was actually early in his twins time when I was at St. John's and he was calling St. John's football games on Saturday afternoons. And I remember standing under the press box because then I could listen, I could hear his voice because it was such a distinct voice. And for me, I was like, hey, this is the guy I listen to do twins games and now he's here calling these games, and he had a few great calls during the late in the regular season that year. You know, I remember the game Blylevin started in the, the final home game of the year with the, the big double play that Al Newman made the great play at the plate, and he had a great call on that. And, you know, so I don't know that there's like one specific call that stands out for me. It was just more the year in and year out, that was Twins baseball. And so that... With all of that said, I mean, I would, I'd, I'd be honored to, to call some of the games. I don't know that I could make a full season work. I really, I have no interest in leaving calling wild games. So it would be, you couldn't really do both. My wife would probably be thrilled because I'd be out of the house another 150 nights a year. But, um, but I'd love to. Now, I, when she sees your bill for the dinners, yeah, dinners. No, but I, I would, you know, this right now I'm. Doing about half of the pre and post game shows, and if I if they did something where I was able to do some of the games, I would love it. And who knows, maybe it maybe it'd be a great deal to call all the games. I'm not sure, but I we have a great slew of analysts right now that I really enjoy, and those guys would be a lot of fun to to call games with guys like Justin Morneau and Glenn Perkins. They're I think they're terrific. My old the guys I've worked with for years like Roy Smalley and Tim Laudner. I mean I've these were my guys who played when I was a fan. And so it's, I love those nights sitting and chatting with them. So it's a, it's, it was sad to, when I first saw his post and just took it for what it was, that it was that he was deciding to ride off into the sunset. And then as the day progressed and you kind of got the wind that was maybe a little different than that, I felt badly because I think, you know, it was, it's too bad that he didn't get to sign off one last time as, for a guy that was there for 40 years. It's, um, he had a heck of a career. If and yeah, the, ever day, the day I filled in, I've, I filled in for him a few times over the years, but the, the, obviously the Burt F-bombs on the, on the air was the day that I might be as remembered for that as anything I've ever done in baseball, and it was, that was a day I'll never forget. If you ever uh, retire from the Wild or made special assistance at the front office, I think we should all look <laughs> out. Yeah. You yeah. think it's bad now? I don't think there's... The only thing I would do is I'd immediately get involved with who's allowed to be the beat writer. Yeah. So wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, whoever you're entertaining, if you want to have a great dinner party, you got to go to Kowalski's for the best ingredients. And I recently have visited a few different ones. I always go to my neighborhood Kowalski's in Shoreview, and I love the people there. I love the service, and I love the quality of the food. 
But lately, we driving back one time from a glamping trip, we decided to stop down on Lindale and, and pick up some steaks there. They had a few different cuts of steak than you'll find at other Kowalskis. I was at the Kowalskis in Stillwater the other day. They have the Terrace Major cut that I really like. So wherever you go, there's one in your area. And if you're going to entertain, if you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with the greatest ingredients. And for that... Go to Kowalski's. And that's awesome. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Get $250 when you switch to a Royal Credit Union checking account. When I go to Royal, I feel very connected there. See details and open your account by November 15th at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. All right, question. Your brother took the last shirt, though, so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a fight, Brandon. I have to run to the car. I'll have to share it with him. Uh, yeah, I have a question kind of about both your careers. Obviously, you've been doing it your career is a long time, um, and I would think after a while it almost get repetitive, kind of year after year. <laughs> it's kind of the same result. Um, Never, no. no. <laughs> so my question is, uh, what's kind of the, the the dream that you've always had that you haven't yet to, like for you, Anthony, the dream goal call. You, Michael, like what story that you haven't written yet that you still kind of dream about one. I don't know, a Stanley Cup victory? Yeah. Um, that would probably be it. I don't know, my dream, I mean, does it get any better than being a podcast co-host with Anthony LaPanta? Uh, I don't dare know. Dare to dream, Michael, yeah. dare to dream. Just every day, just living the dream, showing up, I get to, like, you know, yeah. come here, get a, get, a, get a text message three hours before the show, where's the show at? <laughs> you know, uh, even though I t I've only tweeted it 60 times, Brandon. So. Yeah, I might have missed the tweets. I, for me, it was always, my dream was always to call a game seven of a Stanley Cup final. And I think I've shared the story before of the low point in my broadcasting career was driving home from the World Ringette Championships one day. That where All right, my, if you are a Ringette, like, participant or fan, please continue to yeah. listen to the podcast. And, yeah, don't be offended. And, uh, I and didn't know anything. Fre frequent our sponsors. Right. I didn't know anything about Ringette. They had asked me if I would do the games, and I, the, they don't need to go through the whole story again. But the second day of the World Ringette finals, my analyst didn't show up because she was so disgusted with the Team USA performance the day before. So I did a Sweden against Russia Ringette World Championship game by myself on tape-delayed television on KABL in White Bear Lake. And when I got in the car to drive home, I didn't know any of the rules of Ringette, couldn't pronounce anybody's name. It was a disaster. I was driving home, and I thought, I had dreams of calling the seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals, and I'm doing the World Ringette Tournament by myself on tape-delayed cable television. Maybe I'm in the wrong path. And... I didn't share that when I got home with my wife because she would have said, yes, you're on the wrong path. What are we going to do tomorrow? Um, but so, yeah, that's my, the closest thing I've come to it was the game seven in Denver where Nino Niederreiter scored the winner for Minnesota. And that was, that's probably the single highlight of my broadcasting career was calling that one and, and not screwing it up with a, a game seven overtime winner. So that, that's my, that as a kid, that was what my dream always was, was for that and, uh, we, I saw, we had a, I did see today, I, somebody tweeted maybe one of your mentions about where our show was. I didn't read the follow-up, but it was, he asked a question about, was there a sport that you wouldn't cover? And kind of along these same lines, I covered everything. I yeah, did anything too. anybody would ever let me do. I did soccer, volleyball, wrestling, ringette. I did the Special Olympic soccer tournament when the Special Olympics were here. And I've done everything, and every one of them has had a little something other than maybe ringette that nah. that was a hook. I mean, even I we are about to get canceled by all ringette people. And you, you know, need to still, be careful here. I, they They're still play ringette people. in Canada. I was yeah. I had told the story up there one time, and one of the guys it was a guy I was chatting with at a bar, and he was my wife plays ringette. It's like I've never met anybody who actually played ringette. And I've had the same with volleyball and wrestling. Where when you get a great analyst, even if you don't know anything about the sport you find yourself leaving really having respect for how passionate the athlete. For them, it's, they're just as passionate as hockey players or baseball players. It's just that I don't understand the, their game. So I've, I've had some great opportunities to learn from people with a lot of sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, me, I mean, uh, I probably wouldn't want to cover curling. Oh, and I love curling. Yeah. So you remember we... By the, the way, if, <coughs> if anybody's at KABL... And might have video of this ringette 
somewhere in the archive system. It could have been burned. I will. There's not a price that you could give me that I will not find to pay for that. <laughs> to, I've to got put some videotapes in the attic that I'd have to hide from you, maybe, so that they don't make their way on TV. But yeah. Margo, but so, I'd love to see some ringette uh, videos. We went curling in Edmonton a couple times because right, there's nothing so to do continue. in Edmonton. But no, I want to just. This was another example of where I met a guy who was. I got called one time if they'd asked me if I'd be a celebrity curler at uh, for some charity event at Fogarty Arena. And I said, well, I can come up there and have dinner with my group, but I can't. I couldn't make it the to curl. But the guy that was there to speak was the guy we listen to all the time when you're in Canada. There's this voice oh, yeah. that's the color guy on all their curling matches. And he was there. And they call him the godfather of curling in Canada. I can't remember his name right now. But I got to sit and have lunch with this guy. And it was so fascinating to listen to. He was like a three-time gold medalist in the Olympics for Team Canada. To listen to the way they practiced and the way they studied the game and the, the game plans they would have against their opponents because of how they typically like to block. And, the, and it, was, it was like, holy cow, there's so much more to this game than I ever would have known. And, and it's, every sport is like that. Every sport I've ever, I've ever crossed paths with guys who are really passionate, I've learned something from. Yeah. But obviously, I mean, obviously I said it tongue-in-cheek, but I'd like to cover a long, wild playoff run. That'd be sort of fun. <laughs> you know, not, I mean, I've been here 19 years. I've covered the second round twice. It's, it's, I mean, if you actually think about it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so... Uh, yeah, but you know, like, you keep saying that. Think about it. There's a whole bunch of other teams. We just saw New Jersey. They just won their first playoff series since Ryan Carter was playing for them. Last well, there's year. the loss right, right. there. But I'm just Ryan saying, like, the, we talked about it on the air. The last time they won a playoff series was when Ryan Carter scored the first goal in the decisive game six against the Rangers Eastern 11 Conference years final. ago. Yeah. Right. So it's, there's a whole bunch of teams out there that would kill to have been in the playoffs 10 of the last 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those teams have Connor Bedard now. I'm sure they're really well, sad. Yeah. All right. Uh, which, by the way, before we end this podcast, let's talk a little bit after you're done with this question. I want to talk a little bit about this Ottawa Senators situation um, and, and losing a first-round pick and fire, firing their GM today because I got a bunch of rants to do on that one. Question. Yeah, you look uh, like somebody I know, and I'm, at some point I'm going to try to figure it out. <laughs> uh, maybe a little silver liner lining for the wild. How happy are coaches and management? with uh, Marco Rossi. Yeah, I think they're happy. Dean was asked about it by a couple of the other team's writers on this last trip, asking how surprised he was. He said, I'm not surprised. We've seen the hand skill. This guy was a top 10 pick and for a reason. They expected him to be good. And I, I think they're, I don't think any of them would admit it, but I think there's a little bit of relief because if he had been a miss, that really sets you back. When you finally get a top 10 pick, if it's a miss, and I think there was at least a little seed of doubt in some of their minds in the front office and the coaching staff. So I think there's, I think they believed in him. They believed because of his work ethic and the skill they had seen that he was going to be a really good player. I do think there's a just a hair of relief that he's turned out Long way to go, but boy, he's looked like a different player so far this year. What's fun, what's fun to see is him in the middle of all the mixes. You know, he yeah. never struck me as a in-your-face kind of guy, but he, yeah. he's making people mad, which is fun to see. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I think, I mean, he's, he's such he's a competitive gonna better. guy. He's going to continue to get better. Yeah. And he's he, but he's been a, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, thanks. Remember, Miko Koivu was way older and had such a tough beginning of his career. And uh, and just slowly but surely became a better hockey player, and I, I just I really think that the people, um, you know, uh, that that thought this kid was just a bust are going to really eat their words in a couple of years. I think he's going to be a heck of a player. Um, by the way, Bobby Knight died. Did you know that? No, yeah, I, didn't yeah, know I just that. saw that. Um, so, uh, all right, this is going to be a weird segue to get to this point, but I want to read this this wait, comment. Wait, you think there's a weird segue from Marco Rossi to Bobby Knight to the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, this one's going to be a really, really <laughs> right, weird segue luck. now. Thanks for bringing that. Um, so uh, this comment was the first one on the on the story of the Ottawa Senators losing their first-round pick today, for, and we'll talk about why in a second, that made me laugh because it is so freaking accurate. This person named Danielle writes, and it got like hundreds of likes. If only they had covered up a massive sexual assault scandal, they could have gotten a generational draft pick instead. And it's so true. All right, so the NHL 
has it's so bizarre to me the priorities that they get that they that they have in in attacking teams. So here's a team, the Ottawa Senators, that apparently did something sketchy, and when they traded Dadanoff to the Vegas Golden Knights, didn't give them his no trade list. So when the Last year, when the Golden Knights tried to trade him for Anaheim, all of a sudden, Dadanoff and his agent said, no, 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 no. He, we have a no-trade list that says he can't go to the Ducks. The Golden Knights said, the hell you do. He has no no-trade no list. And he goes, no, we signed it with the Senators. So when the Senators were on the trade call, how archaic is this? Central Registry goes, are you guys uh, you know, defying any, any no-trade list? And Pierre Dorian or whoever was on the trade call goes, no. So then he was traded. So right away, he's traded to the Vegas Golden Knights without the league even knowing that he's got a no-trade list. And then the Golden Knights don't know that he has a no-trade list, so they try to trade him the Ducks. It's after the deadline when he, they realized that, no, he was on the no-trade list, the Ducks, and they made them keep him, and it really kind of screwed up with their, their cap situation. Fair enough. Okay. To, finally, 500-something days after this incident happened, that included a cup, by the way, um, this incident happened. Sorry, that would have been two years ago. Regardless, this incident happened. The league finally comes out and takes away a first-round pick in one of the next three drafts. The Chicago Blackhawks covers, uh, covers up a 10-year-old sexual assault and nothing. A million bucks. And what do they do? They, they win the lottery and get Connor Bedard. I mean, it is just the priorities of this league are so out to lunch, it is sometimes unbelievable to me uh, of how they even justify certain things. It cost Pierre Dorian. Dorian was getting fired anyway. Steve Steos, everybody knew that that was eventually going to happen, but Dorian got fired today anyway. But it's just, it's amazing to me that that, that cost you a first-round pick and nothing really happens to Chicago Blackhawks, but a million dollars to a family that could, you know, has that coming out of its couch cushions. Yeah, it seems arbitrary. And, yeah. and you know, we're talking about this is a week after a player gets suspended for 40 games for violating the gambling rules when... They say their own investigation said he didn't bet on any NHL games, and his team happens to be sponsored by an online gambling outlet. It just seems, it seems like there's some gray areas here that, are, that probably need to be hammered out. The one part of the Ottawa thing that's interesting is they've changed ownership since yeah. this happened, and now a new owner comes in and says, should I be saddled for something that, you know, when I bought the team, I didn't know that this was was even a potential outcome and it was the previous regime that violated the rule so there's some there are some interesting debates there to be had yeah absolutely and uh to that point um that is something i think the league has to answer to why in in his disclosures was it not told him hey by the way um, we're just, investigating we have, your. We're investigating one of your pr top prospects for gambling right now, and we're about to take away a first round pick for you. And then he comes out and basically talk about just questioning the integrity of of essentially the NHL hierarchy, namely Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, saying, "Was it because you were trying to get nine hundred million dollars out of me to go buy this team?" Which is a legit How, question. Yeah, it is a legit question. And um, so I, I, totally, I totally am with that. It was a fascinating press conference today. Um, he basically said that he had, in the last month of owning the team, he had succeeded his expectations from a positive standpoint, but the last 10 days have actually quickly brought him back to earth where he got two disturbing calls from the league, teams on a losing streak, and all that stuff today. And today he, uh, he asked for the resignation um, of Pierre Dorian, who, again, we all knew was in, in deep, deep trouble as well. Um, before we go, a um, couple uh, housekeeping items. One, if you are going to Sweden, um, and I know there's a ton of Wild fans going over there on various trips or independently, um, November 16th between 6 to 8 p.m. at O'Leary's, uh, which is next to the Avicii Arena, which how cool is that? The, the arena is named after the, you know, Avicii. Um, uh, which I'm just more excited about dinner at the Pelican. All right. Ass. <laughs> I've done so well not cursing, Brandon, and, and I've tr almost dropped about seven F-bombs. Um, so, all right. So 6 to 8 p.m. at O'Leary's. Not only are we going to be doing a live podcast, but a uh, wild fan meetup. Uh, this place is, is apparently uh, awesome. It's right next to the arena. So if you have tickets that night too, I think, Toronto versus Detroit, I believe. Um, it's either Toronto, Ottawa, or Detroit, Toronto, uh, Detroit. 
uh, you could definitely come on over to O'Leary's. Uh, it'll be fun. We're going to have tons of giveaways as well. Athletic subscriptions, athletic swag, uh, some wild stuff to give away as well. So hopefully everybody comes out now. But uh, we've just uh, finalized our next year's uh, Russo-Lepanta trip yeah. to Europe. You want to tell everybody where it is? Going to Portugal. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I've heard great things. I've never been. Have you ever been? Uh, no. No. So we'll have, uh, we'll have a great guide come and join us. Have you ever Portuguese wine? Yeah. Okay. Well, is it port. Good? Oh, is that is that what that is? <laughs> I don't like port actually. No, but there's they have some others too that are pretty good. We'll find out a couple vineyard tours in there, and and it's uh, yeah, it's we're excited about it. If anybody can come along, we have a great time on these trips, and nobody from our trip is here tonight. That's the first show we've done, I think, with none of our trip guests. Coming yeah, I know. Since they're, we've been back, they're tired of you. Um, all right, thanks for everybody for coming out to the Aquarius Home Services. Studio on location. You sure you don't want to ask a question? You drove two hours here. No? <laughs> All right, there we go. Right. We got somebody coming to Portugal. Perfect. There we go. Good job, Jack. Uh, Jack's now on the payroll. So, uh, all right, thanks, everybody, for coming out to the Aquarius Home Services studio on location here at Elsie's. Next live show, November 21st at 7 p.m. Oh, we went long today. Oh, no, that, that clock is fast. There we go. Uh, November 21st, 7 p.m. at Tuttles. Tuttles. We promise you. We swear to you. If you are at Tuttles right now and pissed that we're not there, we will be back there on November 21st. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for coming on out. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatment systems, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning, and they even do electrical work. Uh, Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnebagashish. Look at that. Uh, Chris Lindell Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Kowalski's Royal Credit Union, and of course, Grain Bell. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out here to Elsie's. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. All oh, but the world won't forgive like out exterior light timer, the, the board fried, the brains of it. So I just bought one on Amazon. What's the chances I'm going to be able to put this together? Exterior, what are you talking about, your porch light? So like my, yeah, like essentially my like outdoor lights are on a timer, but the brains of it fried, so I just bought a new one. Do you think I'm going to be able to no. take it, one, take it out, but two, put a new one in and wire it up? Nope. If it's more complex than plugging a cord into the wall, I'm going to say no. Yeah, it's definitely more complex. <laughs> <laughs>